Welcome to the Intentional Leaders Podcast with Cindy Wentland. This is episode 39, When Your Brain Leads You in the Wrong Direction, Part 2. Hi, I'm Cindy, an educator, certified coach, and passionate learner on all things leadership related. It seems like just yesterday I was fresh out of grad school, wanting to make my way in the world, longing to make a difference to people, to team, to the business. Little did I know how challenging it would be. Fast forward several decades later, I've made a career of leading while teaching and coaching thousands of leaders to be at their best, most effective selves. Along this journey, I've captured so many insights, lessons, and techniques on how leaders become amazing, and also as leaders, when we get it wrong. I'll share them all right here because I founded Intentional Leaders to provide easy access to these kinds of lessons and equally important to help you build the presence, confidence, and credibility you need to be the leader that everybody wants to work for. Because I know leadership has its challenges, but learning to lead shouldn't be one of them. So last week we met Fred. What a pain in the ass. Fred is making us miserable because he's obnoxious and aggressive. He's also embarrassed us and lashed out in a meeting. What are we going to do about Fred? I don't know. We're going to take a peek at more options in our brain this week. Because last week we talked about and explored the concept of cognitive distortions. Oh, that moment where our brain tricks us into believing and thinking that something is actually true when it's not. By exploring our reactions to Fred, we examined the following cognitive distortions. Filtering, personalization, overgeneralization, catastrophizing, and my personal favorite, shoulds. None of these thought patterns actually serve us, and yet they are so easy to trap us. We don't even realize it. So I really wonder, did you find any indications of distortions in yourself or in other people this week? Did you notice? And just what happens when we catch ourselves or others? This has been on my mind a lot, and I've seen a lot of it in the last week. So let's keep digging into this topic because I did promise you several more goodies. All right, here are some additional cognitive distortions. The next one is jumping to conclusions. So without even Fred saying so, we think we know what Fred is feeling and thinking, and exactly why he acts the way he does. In particular, when we jump to conclusions, we think that we are able to determine how other people are feeling as though we can read his mind. I don't know about you, but who wants to get into Fred's mind? (laughs) Not me. But we may believe, for example, that Fred holds a grudge against us because maybe he received less budget money than we did last year. And we conclude this, but we don't bother to find out if it's true or not. That's what jumping to conclusions is all about. 
What about blaming? Oh boy, when we engage in blaming, we hold other people responsible for our emotional pain. For example, we blame Fred for making us feel bad and angry. The irony, of course, no one can make us feel anything. Ugh, if only I had learned this about 20 years ago, (laughs) I would have been a happier individual. But we control our thoughts and emotions. We choose our own emotions, and they are driven by our negative thoughts about Fred. We think he's acting unprofessional. We think he's being rude. We think he's being a jerk. And then we feel angry and disrespected. We're choosing those emotions by our thoughts. Connected to this, but slightly different, is emotional reasoning. Emotional reasoning is summed up by, if we were to think, well, if I feel that way, it must be true. Whatever we feel, we believe to be true automatically and unconditionally. So after that meeting, if we felt after he yelled at us incompetent or anxious, then we are, in fact, incompetent and anxious. In emotional reasoning, our emotions overrule our logic and any rational thoughts we may have or our ability to reason the situation. The unhealthy emotions define our reality. They become our reality and they become our truth. The next cognitive distortion is the fallacy of change. In the fallacy of change distortion, we expect that other people will change to meet our needs. This is again connected to our manual that we have for others. So we think, oh, if I can only influence or pressure or coax them to change, then we're going to be happier. So of course I would be happier if Fred would only stop being a jerk. This particular cognitive distortion is very prevalent in our relationships with others because we feel like if we could get that person to change, it would affect our feelings. So if only I can help Fred to become less aggressive and more effective in his communication, then I would have a great relationship with him. Ah, yeah, this is exhausting, isn't it? (laughs) The last one is polarized thinking. And this is the black and white thinking. So in polarized thinking, there are only two choices. We either have to manage to change Fred or our professional life will be freaking miserable. Fred goes or we go. We have to get that budget money we asked for or next year, it's going to be a failure. When our thinking is polarized, we don't see the nuances in the situation. And what's ironic about that is then we don't see the many options available to us in solving problems. The extremes limit our options and therefore our overall effectiveness. So as we explore these cognitive distortions, jumping to conclusions, blaming, emotional reasoning, fallacy of change, and polarized thinking, we have to stop the madness in our own heads. How in the world do we do this? But this is so important to our credibility and to our effectiveness 
not just as leaders, but in as human beings and in our relationships in particular. So how do you stop your brain from leading you in the wrong direction? We have to lead our own brain and here are five ways to do it. Last week, I mentioned we must be self-aware and that is absolutely the beginning. We have to pay attention to the negative feelings that we're experiencing. We have to connect to the present. What do you feel and why do you feel that way? Because cognitive distortions occur when we're experiencing negative emotions. Second, we have to uncover the negative thought. Our thoughts precede our emotions. A lot of times I hear this, people say, no, it just happened. I'm just angry. We believe those emotions just happen unconsciously and automatically, but it's not true. So pay attention to how you are labeling a situation, meaning you have to label the distortion. And sometimes that's hard. You know what? Sometimes we may actually have to tell the story to someone else and they may be able to help you label it. And sometimes that's a good reality check. So number one, we're self-aware. We pay attention to those negative feelings. Number two, we uncover the negative thought associated with it. Number three is also super important because we have to find the evidence. Uncover the facts in the situation. We have to be so aware of how our opinions, our assumptions, our shoulds, our speculations, or our generalizations are affecting how we see the situation and just focus on the facts. We focus on the facts with Fred. There was a disagreement in the budgeting meeting. It doesn't mean that we have to label and assume all kinds of negative things about Fred or even our relationship with him we can focus on the evidence at hand that will help us to determine how to go forward with Fred. Another thing we can do is see the situation from the other person's point of view. Why would they be acting the way they are? How can you see the situation from a different perspective? When I think about the relationship with Fred, and and quite frankly, I've known some Freds or else Fred wouldn't even be in this story, of course, <laughs> but I, I've i known Fred and Fred is passionate. Fred is advocating for his team. Fred may not know how to communicate as effectively as he could. He's doing the best he can to advocate for his needs and he's not potentially thinking of my feelings. Really? How often does that happen? Like a lot. But we can also think in this particular area how we're contributing to the situation ourselves. Is my reaction to Fred in any way contributing to the situation? Chances are it is. I'm probably already hyper alert and maybe hypersensitive to the things that Fred is saying. So he may advocate even more for his point of view because he may anticipate me putting barriers in his way of getting what he needs. So I need to take ownership over my contributions to the situation as well. And then the last one, at the end of this exploration into our brain, we have to really decide, are our thoughts rational or not? And if they're not rational, if we are falling into one of these cognitive distortions, we need to reframe them. 
But maybe, you know what? Our thoughts are rational. And sometimes a situation is difficult. Sometimes the reality is what it is. And we just need to work through the emotions and feel those negative feelings that we may be experiencing. Maybe we have defined the facts and examined the evidence. We look for our part in the situation and we may still feel bad. And you know what? That's okay. Because at least then we've explored our thought process and our brains and it doesn't lead us in a direction that will not serve us well. We get to decide how we're going to handle the relationship with Fred in a calm, professional, and respectful manner. It doesn't really matter what Fred does to us. What matters is what we want our relationship with Fred to be. At the end of the day, it's about our choices and about our responses. That's what we get to choose. We don't get to control Fred. We get to control us. We get to manage us and we get to be the best leader that we can be. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. I hope this helps you to examine the distortions that may be getting in the way of your relationships or your effectiveness as a leader. And then join me next week. We're going to transition to a very popular leadership theory, servant leadership.